Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the men's show where the three best men are in the room. We've survived. And today Premium we're talking edition. about, absolutely, we're talking <laughs> about, do we talk enough about Jesus in just a minute? That doesn't reflect this. I thought we it have to change the beginning, but <laughs> thanks for putting up with it. Nick is trying to make it look cool, but we exiled Nick from the men's show because so, we want to have a serious conversation yes. about truth, about goodness, about life, and about Jesus. And we thought the three best guys to do that would be myself, Father Jeff, and John Mark Grodine. So, but if you want to see this show continue and have these three men continue to speak truth into your lives, we need your help, especially financially. Go to awakencatholic.org/donate today. Be a, become a part of Awaken Nation. This is a growing family of people who just love the Lord, love Jesus, and want to love each other. So donate to us at awakencatholic.org slash donate. Secondly, there is a fantastic app that you can buy in the app store, and you get to be a part of the the uh, community that we have here, and you get like all this bonus content and stuff. So outside of the shows, uh, I know Andrew Reinhardt posts a lot of things with his Physically Spiritual show, which is fantastic. Um, and there's also outside content that you can get on the app as well. And then I don't know if there's any other ads that I need to promote or not until Colleen puts them up or off the board. Oh, yes, I do. It's the Hallow app. Um, so please <laughs> go to the Hallow app and download slash awaken. Um, it's great. It's a great partnership team. They're family with us. And we encourage you to download the Hallow app as well. All right, on today's show. Good job. You're good at that. Well, you know, I've I've had some practice. You can catch my show at the Catholic Citizen here on Awakened Catholic, because really this is all about me at the end of the day, and that's why I'm on the men's show. <laughs> and and past you know archived episodes of your other show over on PBS, you know that you're. you're <laughs> It's, so, it's a, it is a beautiful day in the it neighborhood. It is a beautiful day it? in the neighborhood. So I'm going to preempt <laughs> their comments. They're claiming that I look like Mr. Rogers. Come on. I think I look if sharp. If he changed his in the shoes comments. right now and we started playing some piano music. Welcome I'm to just, the neighborhood, everyone. So That's perfect. There, there are few finer compliments than yeah, that, Pete, seriously. I assure you. It's a you. big compliment. Mr. So uh, maybe this is for another show, but when I think of Mr. Rogers, I, I don't so. always think of like the most masculine man. So as I'm receiving that, I know he's a great guy. I know he's a Christian. Mm. I heard that too. Yeah. I just want to be identified with like someone who's like really masculine. And he's well, we so got to do the meekness for like week this episode right now. I think he was like America's dad. Are you kidding me? Yeah, no, and a super nice guy. I oh, sure. appreciate that okay. a lot about him. Um, but like. Okay. Maybe that's why this it, is controversy. We're talking about this next episode. We're going right. to recircle back to this. Okay, thing. that's good. Well, yeah. this episode we're talking about, uh, do we talk about Jesus enough? Mm -hmm. um, so I'm going to allow Which John Which is Mar ironic because we almost just like preempted the whole episode about Jesus to talk about Mr. Rogers instead. So, no, I don't think we talk about <laughs> Jesus enough. Yeah. Well, I was thinking about this earlier because, uh, uh, you know, we like to have conversations where there's just a little bit either of, of gentle debate or, or at least something we're still trying to work out in our own minds and hearts. And I was thinking about how something that's been on my heart lately, I've had a family member die, you know, an elderly family member. Um, and boy, I have, I have areas of my life where I'm perfectly comfortable talking about our Lord and our faith uh, in, in contexts that are already sort of set up for me like, like this. I like talking about Jesus here. But I, I certainly, I have family members that I've never really had an explicit conversation with. I have friends, I have colleagues, I have people I see regularly at the grocery store. I've never talked to Jesus about. I'm not a particularly uh, extroverted person who can just kind of strike up those conversations, but it always leaves me with this niggling sense of, well, 
but am I not? So am I doing what I ought to be doing? You know, especially again lately with someone dying, and recognizing, well, I never really sat down and figured out where that person was with the Lord. Did I? Did I miss something? Did I not do something I ought to have done? And I, I never really know. I've gone around that a little bit, trying to discern that, and so I, I wanted to get your guys' kind of thoughts on it. So Mark Cahill said that uh, before we hit our uh, heads on the pillow tonight, 150,000 people will die. And do we even care at the end of the day? And I think we don't care enough in the church, and it's mostly pastors' faults, but uh, no, I'm just kidding. No, I think there's I'll a sense, you know, uh, I do think there's a sense like we've stopped preaching that there's a hell, like that hell actually exists. And so we don't have this urgency to evangelize because we don't believe it ultimately really makes a difference. We have this sense of like, you know, if you're a nice person, if you're a Mr. Rogers or someone who's just really nice or whatever, that you're going to go to heaven. But like, that's not what well, I have to bring them up. But, <laughs> but, but that sense of that urgency of the, the reality that heaven is a real place that not everybody's going to heaven. Um, you know, Jesus talks plenty about hell in the, in the New Testament, talks about being a place of Gehenna where there's rotting, there's gnashing of teeth. I mean, he was very explicit about what hell was even like. Uh, but we don't, I feel like, hear that enough from the pulpit, that reality that, hey, hell's a real place. And that's the exact reason that Jesus yeah. came and died for our sins so that we don't have to go there and we get to go to heaven. Yeah. Uh, but- See, when I look back in my experience of this, though, because I do think that there are times when even I, as a priest, don't speak about Jesus enough because um, you can get caught up in the works of God instead of focusing on God. Um that that really hasn't been my experience. That it's not because I don't feel an urgency, and I'm sort of identifying two different times in my life. One when I was a seminarian, and I realized, um, to my great chagrin, that I felt like saying faith-filled words were awkward, and I don't know why. I was overwhelmed with this sense of awkwardness. I had left everything to go to the seminary, um, and I, it was when I was in college. I was clearly a believer. I clearly believed uh, enough to drop my nets and follow him. Uh, I intended to be a preacher for the rest of my life, but I honest to goodness felt so awkward saying like saying the word Eucharist out loud because it seemed like such a foreign concept to so many people. I felt weird saying the name Jesus out loud. I would I would substitute other things. And I, I began to notice this um, and I, I really never pinpointed a, a reason other than um, a direct attack from the enemy that he doesn't want us to say those things out mm. loud. And so he preys on whatever it is in that person. And, and for me, though, I am generally speaking an extroverted person. I have like these moments of overwhelming shyness where I'm like, Oh, please, nobody look at me. Nobody. I don't, I don't want anything to do with any of this. Yeah. And I think he played on that in those times to say, you know, if you start, using weird words like Eucharist and salvation and, and Jesus, people are going to look at you. People are going to think you're weird. Yeah. Um, and, and so that wasn't because of any like lack of motivation to evangelize. Like I was preparing to give my whole life to that, Mm -hmm. but there was, there was this hesitancy to use the words, to say them out loud, even amongst people that I knew and loved. It was Mm -hmm. awkward to talk about that with my family members for some reason who are all Catholic. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I noticed that after I got married and started to have kids that 
while my, my wife and I got married in the context of, you know, an active Catholic life and we were agreed upon that and we were, we were, um, we were on the same page about how we wanted to live our lives. Still, even within marriage, or perhaps especially within marriage, when I began to realize, oh, I have a particular role as a husband to kind of take the first step in that awkwardness. You know, um, even though my wife, in many ways, is better at that than I am, uh, she's better at initiating prayer, she's better at sort of just speaking kind of freely about her faith, that I had had a special role, especially as a father to my children, to be the one to sort of step out there and, and, you know, embrace a little bit of the awkwardness that comes along with that, of praying out loud or speaking about my relationship with Christ. Um, and so I, I encountered that a little bit, uh, and wrestled with it. Um, but I also like, so there's, there's that part of it in terms of like speaking about it with people that you are already in relationship with or have those conversations opened. And it's just kind of a matter of getting over that hump. Do you think there is something though about like people don't expect men to talk about those kind of things? Yeah. Uh, yeah. because I, I guess I've noticed as well too, that I meet a lot of new people, uh, through the years in my ministry. And from time to time when um, men will come up to me to introduce themselves to me for the first time, they'll say like, well, what kind of things can we talk about? Do you like sports? Do you like fishing? Do you like... And and I'm given a list of pre-approved manly topics to be able to talk about. <laughs> and I mean, through no malicious intent or anything, but they're like, which of these menu of manly things can we connect on? Mm-hmm. And and religion is not usually one of them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I think going back, they to, say to the priest. <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> I think there is something about our Catholic culture that we have to be concerned about, though, because I feel like when I was brought up, the way that you felt very much was the way that I felt. And I remember going to a little town called Immokalee, Florida, where I worked with immigrants for a year. And I met an evangelical named Sinclair Williams. He was from Mm -hmm. the Caribbean, just big bear of a guy. And every time I would see him in the grocery store, wherever it would be, the first thing out of his mouth was, hey, Pete, how you doing, Pete? How Jesus treating you, Pete? And I'd be like, dude, I don't talk about Jesus (laughs) in the supermarket. You know, It was this this sense of, um, you know, that's not who I'm called to be. When in actuality, like that's exactly, no matter your personality, that's exactly who you're called to be. Like in Evangelion Nutiandi, Pope Paul VI says, we exist, the church exists to evangelize. Mm -hmm. Like that is the primary motivation of our life because of the urgency of heaven versus hell. And I think for me, Father, it's been a, a, a journey of, trying to get over my own ego. I mean, even mm-hmm. to this day, I have to like get over myself be- and not worry about, well, is that person going to foresee me as like a religious zealot? Am mm. I going to be painted in that certain picture? Like I can't allow that to concern me. Mm-hmm. I just need to share Jesus because at the end of the day, that person could die on the ride home tonight mm-hmm. or whatever it may be. So yeah. I want to make sure that in a way that is following the Holy Spirit that I am attentive to sharing Jesus if I have that opportunity. And I think there's more more often times than not where I've had that opportunity and I haven't taken it because I'm too afraid of, is this the right moment? How's it going to come out? How am I going to look? And that's the side of it that I think I wrestle with the most in the sense of, like, I, I have gotten over the hump a little bit, at least in my, my marriage and my, my friendships, where it is much more natural, you know, amongst my friends, with my wife, with my even in front of my mm-hmm. kids, to take that first step and, you know, uh, not just have those conversations, but even initiate them. But what I really struggle with is I, I do see other people who it seems to me, perhaps by temperament, but perhaps maybe just because they're braver than I, they're able to just like out of nowhere, 
initiate these conversations. And I, mm-hmm. I kind of sit there like, how did they even, how did they do this? How do they mm-hmm. go from like ordering their ham sandwich at the diner to like praying on the ground on, on their knees with this lady who, you mm-hmm. know, who was taking the order? Like I, and so sometimes I, then I wonder, okay, do I, do I just stay too comfortably into, in my, in my comfort zone? Mm-hmm. Like what, what are the opportunities? Is the opportunity just because I happen to be with somebody? Cause I'm often waiting around for the right I'm waiting for them to be interested or to or to, to bring up a conversation that I can steer in that direction. And I, I'm not sure. I don't know how to discern I don't want to turn this into therapy, but are you overthinking it too much? Uh, you know, <laughs> probably a little bit. But, but again, it's brought Always in. looking for the right opportunity is sort of, that's yeah. a sort of like a taking control thing. So Pete was saying before, you know, I want to be guided by yeah. the Holy Spirit. So just sort of. Being a little more in the spirit, well, there's freedom to speak but, about but these again, things, right? But again, so what, what brought it into sharp relief is I had a, an elderly family member die recently. Mm-hmm. And so that question haunts me just ever so slightly. Like, I never really got around. Like, I always hoped that that conversation would happen. It never did. Mm-hmm. And do do I, I, was I, do I bear any, any responsibility for never being more proactive about actually getting to that point where somehow I, I bring mm-hmm. it up and have that conversation mm-hmm. with them? I think Pete was right to say that it's really all rooted in pride eventually, but what isn't? Um, that I, there have been times in my life, I'm clearly very over that now in almost every way, that I didn't want to be known as the Jesus guy. Uh-huh. Like, yeah. that's not the reputation I wanted to have. Mm-hmm. I, I, was, I was pleased to love Jesus. I was pleased to follow him. I was pleased to talk about with him with anyone who wanted to talk about him. But, you know, if you initiate those conversations— you're the Jesus guy then. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And th- there was part of me that didn't want to be known for that. And and that has to be rooted in pride because, you know, I said it t- the evil one would use my shyness, but really in a twisted way because um, when I'm talking about Jesus, I'm not putting the spotlight on me. I'm putting the spotlight on him. Mm-hmm. And perhaps sometimes I would rather just talk about me <laughs> and, and, and the things that make me interesting. Yeah. Um, but... But I think that is is rooted in pride and not wanting to be the Jesus guy. Yeah. And when I sit back and think of it, I'm like, is, is that the worst thing to be known for? Yeah, yeah. For a Christian? And that's what we should be known for at the end right. of the day. Um, so the Fellowship of Catholic Undergraduate Students Focus is a great organization, but their invitation to pray for divine appointment every day of your life has changed my life mm. because I just, I pray every morning, Lord, introduce me to someone that I can share the gospel mm. with. And I feel like that is a prayer that the Lord continues to answer day in and day out. Yeah. Um, so I think, you know, before we go out there and say, well, I got to make sure I share this in every conversation. It's like, it's inviting the Lord to, you know, bring us to those opportunities mm-hmm. sure. and then he will certainly do that. You know, one thing that we struggle with at Catholic Charity sometimes is like, you know, working with clients, how do we introduce Jesus in the conversation? One thing that I always like just to ask people um, is just that very simple question. Well, you know, how's your family doing? Okay, great. We did that. You know, how's this going? How's that going? And then I always just like to ask like, well, how's Jesus treating you? You know, Mm -hmm. and sometimes it just opens a door. It's a very non-confrontational like, well, uh, yeah, I haven't been to church in a while or, oh, he's he's great. And and like you get a feel for where that person is just based upon how they react to that kind of question and stuff. But I think we Catholics, we struggled though. Maybe because we have so much wealth and depth to share with the faith Mm -hmm. that sometimes we have abandoned the centrality of the kerygma Mm -hmm. um, because we have all these other gifts that we want to share with people. But we forget, like, sometimes we need to start with the kerygma that Jesus Christ is Lord and then move from there. Um, Oh, go ahead. Well, I was just thinking that, yeah, in the context of, of, you know, friendships and relationships that— uh, sort of a, a broader surrounding topic on this is just maybe the question, the examination of conscience of like, what are the conversations in my life? Even 
even maybe broader than just the, the the charismatic conversation. But what are the conversations in my life that I stay away from? You know, in my marriage, in my friendships, because mm-hmm. sometimes that those might actually be the first conversation you're called to have. You know, if there's some mm-hmm. lingering conversation that you haven't actually had with your wife or your coworker or something like that, I, I feel like by temperament, that's a, an examination of conscience I have to constantly make because I am I do tend to find a nice, comfortable way through life where I have the conversations that I want to have and I don't have the ones I don't want to have. And then mm-hmm. I look back and say, well, no, I, 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 must, I never got the opportunity. Mm-hmm. Whereas I think day to day I need to be praying more like, Lord, show me not the conversations I want to have, but show me the conversation I'm supposed to have. Yeah. And particularly if that's, if that's that charismatic conversation of, yeah, yeah, how's the Lord treating you today? Or, or do you, mm-hmm. you know, like, how's your prayer life? Do you know the Lord Jesus or I'm not very good at initiating those, obviously. But. <laughs> How's your soul? That's what I always there you ask go. people. That's good. Like I'm almost me. notorious for it. Uh-huh. And I'm not even sure where that came from, but that's yeah. sort of like my go-to greeting now. And it's not just a greeting like, how you doing? Because when someone asks you how you're doing, like they don't really care how you're doing. They don't really want you. Yeah. It's just sort of another way to say hello. But when when I, hey there, how you doing and how's your soul? That question I really want to know the answer to. Yeah. Um, and now I'll have people say, I knew you were going to ask that. In a sense, they expect it from a priest now. Yeah. Um, but it's also a really good thing. Everyone's always happy to tell me yeah. one way or another because yeah. um, it's something that matters. So people do want to talk about things that matter, mm-hmm. and we just don't always know how to do it. Yeah. Um, so I think if we, um, th- I think that relationship with the Holy Spirit, the whole divine appointment thing, you know, the Holy Spirit's going to guide and direct you if you're docile to him yeah. for those occasions and those people. And he's going to give you the words. Don't worry about what to say. Yeah. The spirit himself will give you utterance. Yeah. Um, but we, we have to cultivate that relationship with the Holy Spirit and, and expect him to be working in our life and expect him to actually give us the words and expect us to bring, expect him to bring those people uh, to us. And, and I think when we have that expectation of the Holy spirit, he follows through on it. He does that. And that's the challenge of saying yes, to the Holy spirit sometimes and, and following those daily invitations from him as strange as they might feel sometimes, Mm -hmm. uh, but to say yes to him. And that's, you know, as strange as just, Hey, go ask that person how they're feeling, you know, Mm -hmm. but how often I ignore those. I remember just recently there was a gentleman, he's probably um, in his mid fifties or so. The Holy spirit would just put on my heart to reach out to him. And like, I ignored the call for like three weeks because I'm like, Mm -hmm. well, I'm busy. I got doing this, whatever. When I finally got around to doing it, invite him out for a cup of coffee, shares with me that he's never been baptized, but he feel like now is the time in his life to get right with God. And I'm like, three weeks, I just kind of sat on that. I didn't respond to that mm-hmm. invitation, but that's a call is to cultivate this, you know, interior life where you can be attentive and hear the words of the Holy Spirit, invitations to share Jesus, to yeah. share the gospel. And those actual moments of, of, if you show up for it, and those actual moments, yeah, they're often very small, although depending on your temperament, they still may be a real intimidating thing for you. And at least for for someone like me, for whom those, what from, from the outside looks like a very uncomfortable conversation, uh, it's important for me to like again be living my life in such a way that I'm I'm regularly practicing getting out of that comfort zone, you know, and so that I'm actually ready for the you know that what appears to be an intimidating sort of first step. Um, we talk uh, to our kids about this this concept. I don't know where it came from, you know, I read it in a book or something like that of eating the frog. Like every day, you should eat the frog. And what does that mean? It means that if you've got a task list today, you know, bump up to the front that thing that you're dreading. Mm. 
you know, because then it's done, which is nice. Mm-hmm. But number two, also you're practicing, you know, just when you get up to the actual difficult thing, just doing it. If this is the right thing to do, don't think about it. Just get it done and tackle mm-hmm. it first and just get it out of the way. And so I think it's an important practice for us as Christians because we, we practice just, you know, when we actually, there, there are, there's a couple different ways to fail in the virtue of prudence, but one is knowing the right thing to do, but then hesitating. Mm-hmm. And hesitating yeah. too long and overthinking right. it rather than just, you know what, this is it. I just got to do it. So this also reminds me of um, Aristotle. He said to share the gospel, we could have three kind of components to it, if you will. He wasn't talking about the gospel, but I was going yeah. to ask you about that. <laughs> he was a prophet. Well, he, <laughs> reading from the uh, epistle from Aristotle to. But he was talking about if you're a good speaker, like you need kind of three things. But I think this is very applicable or translatable to, you know, evangelism. One, uh, to be ardent, to be enthusiastic about whatever the topic is. Mm-hmm. And Curtis Martin used to say, you know, like if you go to a restaurant, and you had a really good cheeseburger and then you just, you naturally go home and just, I, man, I just had this great cheeseburger. You know, here I got some leftovers of it. You can have it, whatever, maybe, you know, in my conversations to allow my daily Catholic walk to be a part of those conversations. So, Hey, how you doing? You know, well, I just, I just got back from confession. It was absolutely amazing. I went with father Jeff and, you know, he gave me three rosies to pray for, you know, my penance, but, it, but awesome. no, I'm just kidding. Delightful. Um, but to have that, you know, excitement of a part of your everyday life. The second thing is, is, you know, that old commercial, um, Bishop Robert Barron put it this way, like, where's the beef? You know, is that old Wendy's commercial, I think, or something okay. like that. I'm noticing a theme. It's a very, <laughs> yeah. it's, it's a very beef themed. Well, yeah, Aaron Green, um, well known for his love. Good of, thing it's not Friday. That's right. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> um, Don't release this on a Friday. <laughs> but like, we need to know the faith. We need to know what we're talking about. And sometimes we feel awkward in sharing Jesus because we really don't know enough about it. We don't, you know, the word kerygma might be unfamiliar to some folks and stuff. So what does that mean exactly? We have to be in the scriptures. We have to know them. We have to know what the church believes and teaches so that we can mm-hmm. share it. You can't yeah, share good. what yeah. you ultimately don't have. Mm-hmm. The last thing, this is probably the most difficult part of it though, is uh, he said, you, you must give the information in the mode of the receiver. Yeah. So, um, you know, there's a lot of ways to present information, but unless you're giving it to someone in the way that they can receive it, mm-hmm. they might not be able to, to kind of fully inculcate what you're trying to tell them at the end of the day. Mm-hmm. So, you know, what is the language that they use to talk about, you know, faith and religion and church and things of that nature, becoming acquainted with that so you can speak their language to a certain extent? I probably have never used the word kerygma in any one of my evangelical <laughs> conversations because right. that would right. turn people off. They don't know what I'm talking about. So yeah. how do you get to people's level to be able to uh, speak the truth and love to them. That's a great list. Uh, it, it gives us such practical things. So like uh, the middle one, obviously, that we should be, const, you know, constantly finding, you know, a regular way in our lives that we're being edified by the scriptures and by good good mm-hmm. content, no. awakened Catholic content, you know, good way to, to be sprinkling some of that in. Uh, but the other two points, too, um, if we're not enthusiastic about our faith, like that should be a real examination. Like, why am I not, mm-hmm. you know, have I been away from the sacraments? Is, mm-hmm. is there mm-hmm. like, what is it? What, what uh, is going on in my heart that I haven't brought to God such that my faith is not something that I'm, I'm settled with and excited about and mm-hmm. willing to share. What's, what's the hang up there that I need to probably address, maybe bring to confession or bring to, you know, a spouse, or bring to somebody, bring to a brother mm-hmm. to get it out there. 
Then what was the third thing again? Oh, in the manner of the receiver, mm-hmm. I think an important piece of that is making sure that, like, so how do we be, how do we get to know the people around us such that we can know how to speak into their lives? Well, I think that a lot of that involves being present to them and listening to them first. Oftentimes, mm-hmm. it's that when we actually we maybe we pause to be in their presence and hear them and kind of get a sense of their world. That's where we know in love how to then speak. Uh, mm-hmm. Something helpful to them, edifying to them. Yeah, very good. I agree. Uh, I agree with all those points. Um, but something struck me, especially with the second one about having the knowledge. It is important that we have the knowledge and the vocabulary to speak about our faith, right? That's what St. Peter says always be ready to give a reason for the hope that's in you. And if you have those reasons, you, I mean, you got to have some vocabulary to talk about that. But the flip side, in which I think an equally large number of people fall into is is shying away from it because they don't know enough when in fact you know enough um you don't have in sort of saying well the priests and the theologians and the sisters they should be the ones talking about the faith i'm just i'm just me i'm just a regular old person i can't be going around talking about jesus to other people and um i heard a, a some bishop somewhere say once and it stuck with me didn't stick with me who he was, but um, he said, you don't have to be a chef to talk about a wonderful meal that you had at a restaurant, Mm -hmm. which your little hamburger analogy reminded me of. Um, Because you're going to, because you've had this great experience, you're going to find the words that you need to sufficiently describe it. And maybe you can't get into all the intricacies, but that's not really the point. If you Mm -hmm. have a good meal at a restaurant and someone starts talking about like all the intricate ways that the chemicals in in the ingredients interact to produce this effect. Like that is a boring story yeah. mm-hmm. right away. You don't, you don't have to know all of the intricacies. You have to have that passion yeah. um, and that, ex- and just having that experience. And, you know, John Mark says, you know, if I haven't, if I don't have that, why not? Mm-hmm. And one of the things we need to be able to talk about Jesus more is more authentic encounters with Jesus. Yeah. Cause when you have that encounter, you can't help but talk about it with other people. Yeah. That's right. You can't help. I love that analogy. I would want to push it a tiny bit f- further with the, the restaurant analogy. And yeah, exactly. I don't need to know the science of the food and all the right. kind of stuff that goes into it, but I do need to talk. So that, that might be the theoretical aspect of it, you know, right. how it's made, all the science, why it tastes mm-hmm. a certain way. What we can all talk about is the practical aspect of it. It tastes great, mm-hmm. and I'm hungry. Nay, I'm starving, mm-hmm. and you're mm-hmm. starving, and we're just two, you know, two bums mm-hmm. who need a real meal mm-hmm. that's going to fill us. Not the dumpster, not the fast food. We need the real meal. Mm-hmm. We can all talk practically about those mm-hmm. realities, that we need the nourishment of God. We need his conversion. We need his grace, and Jesus is the place to find it. Like We can talk practically mm-hmm. about that. What I think the most powerful uh, words that you can have in a conversation with someone about the faith is just to simply say, I don't know. But yeah, then to go yeah. look up the answer and come back to that conversation, show them how much you care that you would actually go back, look up the answer, and then bring it back to them as well. Yeah, yeah, so. Yeah. so I think we can safely say that we don't talk about Jesus enough, but from this <laughs> moment forward, we will, including no Father. And uh, Nick's a whole other story, but we'll talk next time <laughs> we'll on the men's show. Out. Nick, who's he? Keep praying Nick, for him if don't you don't would. Remember you know, him. I don't know. So. <laughs> Never heard of him. All right, take care, everybody. We'll see you next time on the men's show. This show and all media on Awaken Catholic is made possible by the Awaken Nation and the Hollow app. The Awaken Nation is a community of people like you who support all things Awaken for as cheap as a cup of coffee a week and get access to exclusive content. Learn more by visiting awakencatholic.org slash donate.
Hollow is the only audio-guided Catholic prayer app focused on contemplative prayer and traditional Catholic meditation such as Lexio Divina, Daily Examine, and the Rosary. We here at Awaken all use Hollow every day and love it. To learn more or give it a try, visit hollow.app slash awaken.